and welcome to John Parks Workshop 2022 edition. Well, I'll do more than one this year, but this is the first one of this year. Wow, here we are. Uh, and I want to say hi to the people in our Discord chat and YouTube chat. Look, uh, let's see if I can get this to show up. Oh, gosh, we have technical difficulties already. What happened to the, uh, to the Discord chat? That one just blew up. Ah, weird. Okay, well, I've had some technical issues with the setup this morning that are concerning, so I'm not going to push it. When things don't show up, they may just stay not showed up. Uh, Let me see if, yeah, asking politely even doesn't seem to work. Okay. Um, But our Discord chat is where you'll find a lot of the good chat going on if you're wondering uh, over in other uh, broadcast platforms where people are talking, that's going to be the place. Also, our YouTube chat. Uh, So over in our chat here on Discord, I want to say hello to Jim Hendrickson and OK You're On, Steve C. Grover, Mike P. Hello, everyone. And uh, Larry, Jim, Dave, Thomas, Dale, Josh over in YouTube. Hello. Uh, If, uh, let's see, if we want to get going with this thing, why don't we cross our fingers that all technical things work? Uh, but let me know. I'm watching those chats. Uh, it looks like YouTube stream health is okay so far. So uh, first off, I, I showed this on sh- social media, but I'm very excited about this shirt that I got for Christmas from my son, which is my favorite cereal, Booberry. Very cool shirt. Uh, and uh, proud to represent so let's see. First of all, we'll mention, uh, let's see if this works. Hey, that, that showed up. We've got a jobs board, and that is over on, let's see if this, hey, that capture worked too. Good. Some things are working. Uh, over here on jobs.adafruit.com, you can see there are some positions where people are looking to fill or get contract uh, work done. Here's one, audio circus circuit by Righteous Reels in Dalton, Pennsylvania, and they are looking for a circuit to plug into a stereo amplifier headphone jack and power set of VU meters that I would build into a classy enclosure. Very interesting. That's not me. That's someone named John, but not me, uh, looking for that uh, contract work. So head on over to jobs.adafruit.com if you're looking for work or if you are looking to post your uh, resume and, and information. It's entirely free. It's free to post. If you're looking for work, it's free to post if you're uh, looking to hire someone. Uh, let's see what else is going on. The, um, show I do on Tuesdays is this right here. This is called JP's product pick of the week. You can see the logo right there. Every week I show a new or, uh, interesting from the past, a favorite, uh, product from the store. Sometimes they're brand spanking new. Sometimes we go back a little ways. Uh, and I do a little demo. I talk about the specs on it, show you how to code it. If it's something that has coding. And uh, it's usually about 15, 20 minutes long. It's got a huge discount. This week was 50% off on the item, which was our AT Tiny 817 breakout board slash seesaw board. And then I like to do a, uh, a little one minute recap of the product pick. So uh, this is it. Check it out. It is the AT Tiny 817 Seesaw Breakout Board. What we've developed and we use on here a lot is the Seesaw Framework. That is a I squared C to anything protocol. This is the RP2040 QDPI. I'm just speaking I squared C between these two things. A lot of the heavy lifting is right here on the Seesaw board. So I'm reading a potentiometer and I'm taking those analog values and I'm actually converting them into PWM values to change this brightness on my yellow LED here. I'm reading this little switch here. This is actually a NeoPixel right over here. Uh, And my potentiometer is serving double duty. When I'm in this mode, I can change the speed of a fade between a couple of colors, or three colors to be precise. It's the AT Tiny 817 Seesaw Breakout Board. Yes, it is indeed. Uh, So, 
That is actually going to come into play when we go into our circuit Python Parsec in a moment, because some of the code in there uh, to interpolate between the colors is pretty interesting. So we're going to look at that as a kind of little uh, breakout on doing some interpolation based on that uh, extra cool Toddbot code that I integrated into there for the, for the color mixing. Um, before I do that, I know some, some people like to make New Year's resolutions. I don't know if this is so much of a New Year's resolution as I've decided to start drinking even more coffee this year. <laughs> uh, why not? My dad sent me an article about the benefits of coffee. You know, these articles come up every once in a while. And it said, uh, with each cup that you add to your intake, you have these various benefits to longevity and reduced heart uh, heart uh, problems up to five cups. Usually I've been drinking two. Uh, so I'm upping it now. And uh, one way I do that is I usually make cappuccino in the morning on my espresso machine, but now I'm also adding some drip to that. I have a nice uh, drip machine. So this is my carafe of coffee. Uh, also a bit of show and tell, this is my cool uh, Supercon mug from uh, Hackaday Superconference a few years ago. So I'm gonna pour myself some delicious coffee there. Oh, it's nice and hot. Uh, weather's been all over the place uh, right now. I shouldn't talk about the weather because a lot of people are places that are super cold. And it's like 70-something degrees here in L.A. today. It's too hot, I think. Uh, but I like hot weather. So let's see. Um, what else have we got? Let me take a look at the comments here. So someone was uh, asking about a uh, floppy disk. Have you tried making a floppy disk 256 gigabytes? Uh, I'd love to know how you go about that, unless maybe you're talking about some of the emulated ones. Uh, interesting. All right, so let's, uh, let's jump into this CircuitPython. Let me get a sip of this, and then we'll jump into the CircuitPython Parsec. Dr. X Jeklex said her coffee consumption lowers risk of diabetes, too. Hey, drink up. I will. Uh, okay, let's, uh, let me do one more thing here, which is good. Okay, we're all running smooth. So let's, um, let's jump into this circuit Python parsec, why don't we? All right, uh, let me just get my coding window over here. Okay, for the CircuitPython Parsec today, I want to talk about doing linear interpolation between two values. So this is useful. I'll show an example in a moment of doing some color mixing between two color values. Uh, but in its purest form, what you can see here in my little uh, serial output here inside of Atom is I'm running this code on a little cutie pie here, RP2040 cutie pie. And if you look at that output, what's happening is I'm essentially moving a slider between two values in a linear fashion. So you can see I have the starting number, it says reset, and then 123. And then I'm sliding along in these little 0.05 increments up to an end value of 456. So these could be any values that you are sliding between. And the way this works is you can see the most important part here is this little function called LERP, which stands for linear interpolation, and takes an argument of a beginning value, an end value, and then T is essentially the slider of where are we along this interpolation between the values. We start off with T being nothing. Uh, we have the start value of 123 here, sort of random, and this 456. Then in uh, the function, when it gets called, uh, in this case, it's being called with start, uh, begin at 123, end at 456, and the T initially is at zero, and then that'll increment up. What it returns is that beginning value plus where that slider is times the end value minus the beginning value. So it's a really succinct little function. But what that gives us here is it's printing out, in this case, the uh, slider moving between those. You can see here, if I change that, let's, let's say we'll go from 10 to uh, 100. This will give us some nice, easy to look at values here. So sliding along linearly, that should be increasing in uh, uh, amounts of five every time. And then it jumps back down to the, to the start at the end. So if I look at a, a practical example of this, I'm gonna 
unplug that. And this is that little uh, slider code that I have with the interpolation between, in this case, three colors, but it's using that linear interpolation to go from one color to the next in R, G, and B. So it's having multiples of those happen at the same time. And so that is how you can do some very simple linear interpolation inside of CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. Uh, and once again, thank you so much for uh, my friend and longtime collaborator and, uh, and community member of Adafruit and Hackerdom in general, Todd Bot. If you want to see uh, more examples of code, you can head to Todd's GitHub, especially the tips and tricks page of the Todd Bot uh, GitHub. And Todd, Todd is over in the chat, so he'll probably throw up a link to uh, either this code from today or his general tips and tricks. So thank you, Todd. Um, all right, so let's see. What I'll do uh, next is get us um, prepared for the project that I'm working on. So, uh, oh, actually, before I, before I move on, I can't show this again because my Discord uh, won't show uh, up without me probably blowing up the broadcast software. But Mike P says another way uh, that may be better to show that T is in zero to one is t minus one multiplied by begin plus t times end. Interesting, okay, so uh, worth checking out. And again, uh, check our Discord if you wanna see the details on that, on that conversation. Um, okay, so for today's project, let me give you a little bit of a background here uh, on what I'm, what I'm looking to recreate. So let me, hold on one second. I'm going to open up a browser window here and let me share this. So this was a, and I say was because it does not uh, exist anymore. It's not being produced anymore, but this was a, uh, a very limited edition of, I think maybe 100 or so units were made uh, of a musical instrument called the Piano Cade. And this came out, I want to say maybe 2013, uh, roughly in that, that time frame. Um, and what it was is an, a set of arcade buttons in the arrangement of a piano keyboard. And you can see there's a one octave and a, and a two octave version there or more. Um, two and a half? No, two. Yeah, one octave, two octave. And it has arcade buttons that are arranged like piano keys. Uh, chromatic scale on piano. And then it also has some extra input devices. So there's these, uh, I think the coin slot buttons there were actual functional buttons. And then the uh, one, two, three, and four player buttons were also um, modifier buttons. And then you've also got a joystick that was used to modify things. But in, in its base form, this is a synthesizer that you can play to, to generate chiptunes style music. So uh, waveforms from pulse and square uh, I think it maybe had a noise waveform, which you find a lot in, in chiptunes and early game console, that <laughs> kind of crunchy sound that you can get. Sometimes it's pitched. Uh, and I don't know what, what all of the uh, waveforms available for it were, but it also could output MIDI, so you could just make it be a controller for anything. And um, it is open source, so you can follow the links on this page. It's just pianocade.com. Uh, and go look at the source code, find out more about how it works. What I decided to do is build a version of this, and I'm particularly interested in the arpeggiator. So if you're not familiar with an arpeggiator, uh, it is a way of sort of simulating playing a chord on a device that only plays a single note at a time. So rather than playing all three notes of a, a CEG major chord, it rolls them up. And arpeggios sound cool. It's a sound that you'll find in a lot of uh, older video games. Uh, yeah, Yanisku points out the Piano Cade is looking very Nintendo. I think they even had a sticker at one point that was in the Nintendo typeface uh, type logo. And it's kind of a fascinating project. Uh, I think I wrote about it back then for Make Magazine, and it was uh, featured all over the place because it's, it's a really attractive looking 
uh, device. I think I went to buy one and they were sold out by the time I'd heard of it. So uh, time to recreate it. But uh, what I want to do is use uh, some of our sort of tried and true uh, hardware and software solutions. Let me hide this to create uh, both the synthesis as well as the MIDI output, use our new uh, arcade input Stemma QT gizmo right here. It's a brand new one, let me open this up. Uh, this is sort of in the same line as our Stemma QT input devices uh, boards that go over I squared C that we have for sliders as well as mechanical uh, keyboard keys. So here's one of our keyboard key ones with the key popping off of it there. Uh, I probably bent that. Doesn't want to go on. Uh, so that one is for keys. We have one for uh, slide, slide pots. And now we have this one for arcade buttons. Uh, and the reason this is really exciting is that wiring up these arcade button types of projects can be pretty daunting. You have a lot of uh, wires to deal with and you need to either have a ton of available uh, GPIO pins or you need to create your own sort of uh, multiplexer. And the arcade buttons that I want to use are also lighted. And so this board actually has two uh, little connectors per button and it's for using these types of buttons you see here that have, uh, if you look, they'll have four little uh, connectors on them. Two of them are the switch and two of them are the uh, LED that's inside. So it lights up single color. These are not uh, RGB. And by using this board, you can get four arcade buttons on the board. It is I squared C, so you can daisy chain a bunch of them together just by adjusting the I squared C address. Uh, and then for the synthesis side of things, I want to use our uh, audio library. So uh, I may have shown this before. If you're not familiar with it, the, oh, that's, there we go. Uh, the Teensy Audio Library by PJRC was forked at one point to run on the M4 Adafruit uh, Trellis M4, and it also runs on the Feather M4. It may run on other, other Adafruit Feather boards or uh, Adafruit M4 boards, but those are the two I've tried it on. Uh, and so this is an Arduino. Uh, you download the, the library for it, and then you can use the graphical interface here. Uh, this is a really cool graphical interface that lets you build your little nodes of the synthesizer and how it's going to work. In this case, uh, this has a bunch of waves going through envelopes and effects into a mixer and a little uh, four-tap delay, and then that's going to a stereo input, or rather, stereo output. So this, the cool thing about this is it generates Arduino code. Uh, oops, let me hit export. And so you can turn that GUI, uh, that graphical interface, which makes it sort of easier to design your, your synth stuff. Uh, and then you can copy this code and paste it into your Arduino code. So if you look at, uh, let's jump back over to Adam here. And let me show it like this. Uh, so this is the code that I copied and pasted out of uh, the design I'm using, which is a uh, single waveform. It goes through an envelope, which is essentially how it um, uh, amplifies and attenuates the, the sound. So it's kind of an on-off of the sound. Uh, I'm using a delay to create a nice little effect, sort of a stereo delay effect. And then it also gives you all of the connections. They call them patch cords here, but these are all the connections between those nodes. Um, I'll show more uh, details about my code uh, after we, we sort of get a demo of it, but let's jump over to uh, the workbench here and have a look at what I've got going on. So let me grab my trusty coffee and head on over here. And I will top that up. So 
Uh, you can see here, actually, I need to, this is backwards. I, flip, I put that on backwards. But you can see here what I've got is kind of a mock-up. Uh, I'm also working on a nicer design. Uh, you know what? I'm going to turn off this, uh, this fan here for a little bit, see if I can, because uh, it's shaking that camera. Uh, the mock-up here is just in some uh, little sort of micro racks or maker beam uh, stuff, but I'm designing a, a proper enclosure for it, probably be laser cut or uh, 3D printable, uh, or you could cut it with hand tools into cardboard or wood. Um, and so right now I just got essentially the white keys, and um, I have two of the arcade boards here. And uh, I've got those wired up. I'll show a little something about the wiring, too, uh, in a second. But those are wired into uh, two of these arcade 1x4 boards. Then those are running into the I squared C of this feather. And the way I'm doing that right now, I can zoom in a bit, is um, since I'm using a Feather M4, which uh, right now does not have a, uh, a built-in stem QT connector, uh, hopefully one day it will get that focus better, sorry. Uh, so I'm just using this little SparkFun board that gives us a, a bunch of STEMIQT slash quick connectors, but uh, those I'll probably end up wiring to this little add-on uh, circuit board here. This is my Feather M4. Uh, this is my uh, RC circuit for smoothing and, and taking the noise out of the audio. Uh, so it's a pair of 1K resistors and a pair of one microfarad uh, electrolytic capacitors running to a TRS uh, stereo output, 3.5 millimeter. And then you can see I've also got a little wiring harness here for the joystick. So the joystick has ground and then uh, left, right, up, down, I think is, is how those are ordered. Um, this joystick is upside down right now, so I'm going to have to use it backwards just because I, I, when I strapped it onto here, I did it backwards. Uh, those run into digital I.O. pins, and I'm also, uh, so I'm using, I think, 12, 11, 10, 9, and uh, I've turned pin 6 into a fake ground by just setting it as a output low. And that's just for the convenience of plugging this in. Um, so one thing I'm going to do is add to that the MIDI output as well so that I can run this to classic, uh, classic synth gear that wants MIDI. And we can do USB MIDI over the MIDI port here as well. Um, so let's try it out. What I'll do, I'm uh, going to power these up. And I'm just using batteries to avoid any ground loops for right now, because that can be a pain with uh, some audio gear. And let's see. I'm going to turn on a little box to add some reverb back here. So I've got my little... Uh, NTS-1. That's totally unnecessary, but it just makes everything sound nicer. Uh, so let me turn on some reverb. There we go. Uh, I've got, if I zoom out a little bit here to give you the full picture, uh, I've got my buttons going to the board, audio going to a little external effects unit and then going into this little sort of uh, amplifier speaker. And let's try it out. Power this up. Oh, I've turned on the little flashlight there. Whoops. There we go. Okay, so one thing you'll notice is that these light up uh, as soon as I get that started. These are lit now. Uh, as you can see, and they light brighter when I, uh, when I press them. Uh, I have it starting at a really low octave, so what I'm going to do is use the joystick to increase the octave. So every time I tap that up or hold it right now, it will uh, jump an octave. I think I have six octaves on here or so. And there's this octave of keys here, white keys only. And... Uh, I have it set up right now to sort of automatically arpeggiate. Like I said, instead of playing chords, when I hold down keys, it's going to loop through them at a certain tempo. Uh, this is another use I have for the joystick, which is to adjust the rate of that arpeggio. So uh, let's start with, uh, let me just demo the arpeggio. Whoa, what did I do? Oh, I ran out of battery over here. 
think that's not drawing enough current. <laughs> I might have to plug that one in. So that's the arpeggio in its basic form, and it'll arpeggiate as many keys as you want. Um, so we can do, let's say, a, a four key, five, okay. Um, watching that, that just powered down again. So let me get a, uh, I'm gonna grab a different power block for this one that I know won't turn off. It's a power boost from Adafruit and these, uh, these stay on. So also let me demonstrate the octave switching. So Also, one cool thing is that it waits through one round of arpeggiation before it reads the joystick, so we can uh, sort of run through octaves like this. The highest one gets out of tune pretty badly, so I should probably drop that one. And then arpeggio speed is uh, left and right, so since I have this backwards right now, I'll go left to go faster. slower, of course. Uh, I have those constrained to a certain minimum and maximum speed, but that's adjustable inside of code. You could probably get the maximum speed fast enough to essentially create new waveforms. If it goes fast enough, it'll, it'll sort of make its own waveform uh, that, that could sound pretty cool or could just be really noisy. Um, so the, yeah, so those are the features so far. And like I said, I'll have uh, extra five keys here for the, um, uh, the black keys. So that will be two more of these boards. And what I'll do is since, uh, that will leave me with three extra buttons. I'll probably add three buttons that act as modifiers of some kind, like change the waveform out or a shift function for the joystick so I can get uh, a bunch more things, four more things. Um, so let's see, let's talk about some, uh, actually I'm gonna check the chat just because I haven't, uh, I don't have it right next to me here. And I just wanna make sure we're not, uh, in need of any attention. Let's see. Uh, Mike P says, this is super cool, reminding me of the good old NES days. Ha! Uh, Lars have selected the keys. Uh, Minnesota Mentat, love, love that, JP. Oh, good. Uh, Todd, those are white keys. Not, those are not white keys, those are red buttons. You are correct, that's true. Um, let's see. So, uh, let's talk about some uh, wiring things that I mentioned, which I found to be really helpful, and I'll probably put these in the guide. Um, when you wire up these arcade buttons, let me zoom in here. Oh, okay. So when you wire up one of these arcade buttons, you've got a pair of switches that are in the gray molded section. Those are the switch. Uh, contacts rather. So these two contacts are the switch. So, so bridging those is what happens when the button gets pressed. So if you run one of those, it doesn't matter which one, if you run one of those to a digital input and one of those to ground, uh, then it's going to work as a 
uh, as a switch. So what that means is when you take one of these quick connectors, it doesn't matter which one you attach these little terminal lugs to for the switch part of this, which is the, like I said, the gray molded part on these uh, arcade, lighted arcade buttons. What does matter is these two, which are for the LED. And so those, it actually says in the, it's molded into here, there's a minus pointing to this one and there's a plus pointing to that one there. Uh, and so you need to figure out the orientation of plus and minus in this board, which is indicated on here. So let's say we're gonna wire that up as the first switch here. Uh, so these connector boards say LED on this side and switch on that side. So that means I can go ahead and just plug in this switch side just to take that off the table. And these go in nice and secure, click in place. Uh, so if we plug this one in, it's, uh, these are keyed so they can only go in the right way and then follow the markings on here, it says minus and plus. So if I take the minus one, uh, that's gonna go to the minus, let me get that there. That's gonna go to the minus, which is on the left here. Now you can do it like this, uh, but it's kind of easy to get uh, these mixed up. So what I did, uh, you can see it on the ones I have here, is I used some heat shrink tubing to mark a bunch of these cables in the proper orientation. Uh, and if you look at the switch side of things, you can see I put uh, a little red heat shrink on the positive side, a little black heat shrink on the negative, on the negative side. I didn't uh, do it for all of them. I think there were one or two that I didn't do it yet. Uh, but most of these are like that. After I did the first two, I was like, I gotta, I gotta have a system here. Um, so... That helps me know those are definitely the LED wires when you, when you sort of prep them all in advance. Um, and I also put a larger piece on the other end just so I could distinguish switch wires from LED wires. So uh, not necessary if you're doing just a button or maybe four, but once you get into eight or 16, uh, like I'm gonna have here, you want to, uh, or 12, you wanna make sure that you've got um, some system here. So. That was, uh, that was my tip on that. Here's, here's uh, one in action. So there's the minus side. I would take a little bit of black heat shrink, cut that, put that over that, heat shrink that on, pick the other one, red, and then a larger piece over here. Uh, so that's, that's my little tip on wiring those up neatly. Uh, you can also see, let me turn down the volume here. You can also see those are lighting up brighter after they play the note. So I don't have uh, things happening concurrently right now. So it's got to wait for uh, a little bit of code to, to tell it to play the note before it lights it up. And then it'll just stay lit until we release it. Uh, nothing fancy, but uh, kind of cool. You could of course use these for a lot of feedback too. You know, I'm gonna turn that AC back on before one of my camera overheats. Um, so you could do things like have it pulsing at the rate of your arpeggio. Uh, you could have it be sort of a teaching piano where it shows you uh, notes lit up uh, that you're supposed to play. Uh, there's a lot you can do with, with the, the feedback on there. All right, so let's jump uh, back over to look at the code for this. And uh, also let me know if you have any suggestions or questions in the chat. All right, in fact, I'll go to this view here. Uh, this little photo here isn't actually relevant. I'll put one of these uh, boards here. There we go. Uh, so let's see, the, uh, the code here. So. Audio library, amazing. This was the PJRC Teensy audio library. It got forked uh, back when we were doing the Trellis M4. Uh, it works pretty much the same, but it just runs on the different hardware instead of on a Teensy. And it's the foundation of a lot of really cool audio projects, a lot of DIY audio projects, um, 
are based on that, that code. Uh, so it's really solid, really stable, does some amazing things. And then I'm also importing Seesaw, and that's so I can use these little um, uh, controllers over I squared C. And that means that my commands are really simple and some of the, the processing happens on the board, so it makes it a little easier to do, um, do this kind of thing. The code is, is pretty neat. So, uh, warning, this is code that mostly I've cobbled together just in the last couple of days to get this working. I'm sure it'll go through a lot of refinement uh, as, as I get this ready for, um, for putting out there into a guide. But here's how it works right now. I define four switches on the seesaw pins. So the pins on this, and I think this is one of the uh, ATtiny817 based boards. It's not a, not a SAMD091, I don't think. And um, so those are the four pins that are used for the switches, and then the four PWM pins that are used for the uh, lighting up the LED. So these can be dimmed, uh, not just on and off, thanks to the PWM pins. The address that it starts on is uh, 3A, and right now I'm telling it I have two boards on here, but eventually I'll have that go up to four boards. And then it creates an array, a seesaw called LED arcades, and each item in that array is going to be one of these boards. Uh, we'll get back to that setup, but here I have that code I showed before from the audio effects library. Then. Uh, I have some variables that I've set up for my brightness values. So I'm at a PWM of 50 when it's sort of dim and 120 when it's bright. And now I have some variables that I've created that are going to keep track of which board and which switch uh, and then which um, sort of uh, unique board switch ID that I have so I know what, what's being pressed. The note duration initially is 180 milliseconds. That's sort of the rate of the arpeggio. And then this code, I will probably reuse some much better code out there for correlating MIDI numbers with note frequencies. But to start with, I just have my eight um, whole note octave values here. And I'm initially dividing those by 10 just to drop the, the bottom uh, down. So the, the very low note base is 44, for example, uh, for the A. Then I have a multiplier for octaves, and I, every time I hit the joystick, that multiplies by two, so that jumps, uh, jumps up an octave each time. Then I have the pin values for the joystick. So, uh, like I said, those are in 12, 11, 10, 9, and then I'm using pin six as the ground, and that's just because they were all neighbors all in a row, so easy to plug into. Um, I have a uh, state and a last state for each joystick, so I know when one's been pressed. I can keep track of that, and then do something when one gets pressed. Uh, I may set up a debouncer uh, for those joystick things, because if you're using them without holding notes right now, it can, be, uh, it can run really quick. Then uh, here's the setup for the serial, uh, so that we can read stuff in the serial output. Uh, good for testing, mostly. We don't need it normally. Uh, then we go and set up, uh, this is a little search, some cool code that Lamore put in one of the examples, I think in the arcade 1x4 example in the Seesaw library for Arduino. And this checks to see do we have a, a board uh, at that address or not. If we do, we proceed. Uh, and here's where we create however many boards and instantiate all eight pins on each board uh, as pull-ups for the buttons and PWM pins for the, uh, for the LEDs. I set up my joystick again as input pull-ups. Pull-up resistors are built on, uh, except for the uh, pin six there, which I'm calling a, uh, essentially a fake ground. I set it as an output and then I write it low, uh, which pulls that pin to ground internally. Again, you can't put a ton of current through that, but it'll work for switches like this really well. Uh, now here, here's the setup for audio uh, library stuff. So I'm, I'm giving it, a, actually that's more memory than I need to give it. I'm giving it a bunch of memory. Um, then I'm setting up my waveform as a pulse width modulation. Uh, you can do things like uh, change this right here to square or sawtooth, uh, and that'll give you the different waveforms. So that could be a table, a little list um, 
that I can go through with maybe shift and joystick to, to change what waveform. Uh, they will have values or arguments associated with them. In this case, uh, pulse width only matters if I'm using a pulse waveform. Uh, pulse waveform, by the way, it looks like a square wave with that setting of, of 0.5, so it's equal on off-duty cycle, but then we can start to adjust how long it's on versus how long it's off uh, from 0 to 1. And then the amplitude, how loud is that wave? Then I've set up these three delays uh, so that we create this three-tap delay. It gives us just a little bit of that sort of echo sound. And then I have uh, the mixer of those three going in, as well as my return from the effects send. Now here's what happens when uh, we run through the main loop of the program. This I can neaten up for sure. Um, it's, I'm sort of using the same code four times right now that I'll, I'll turn into most of it into a function. Uh, but... What happens is for each board, so board number zero and then board number one, uh, it will go through and check four buttons. So if a button is actually being pressed, uh, that means it's gone low because these, these, these start out as high. When a button goes low, I uh, set the switch number based on zero, one, two, or three. Then I get the unique ID for that, which is this board number times four plus the switch number. So now I have 0, 1, 2, 3, and 4, 5, 6, 7 on my two boards, and that'll go up as I get more boards. Uh, then I set the waveform frequency to be whatever that unique number is, so 0 through uh, 7 in this case, uh, the table that I set up of those frequencies multiplied by whatever this octave multiplier is. So as the joystick changes, that number will change, and that's how we get the different octaves. We then open up this envelope, so that turns the note on, kind of like a gate, uh, then we delay for whatever the arpeggiation delay is, and then we turn off that note. Uh, the delay is blocking, and that's actually how it's probably a terrible way to do this in the long run, but right now at least it's how I'm getting the arpeggio because it plays each one in sequence as it runs through this array. Um, what this also means is right now I'm always running uh, a what's called an up direction arpeggio. I can't bring it down, I can't bring it random, I can't bring it in order of notes were pressed. Uh, those are all things that I may add, but right now it's just gonna be lowest to highest. Uh, then I also set the uh, PWM value uh, down, so you can see that's why that happens after the note plays, uh, or rather bright, and then drop it back down when, when I let go of the key. That happens four times. Again, this will be code that I can uh, substantially uh, smallify with a, with a function or two. Uh, and then this is the section where I'm looking at, oh, we love you too, CyberProg. Thank you uh, over in the comments on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, so in the joystick here, this is where I may add some of that uh, debouncing. But right now it just reads uh, kind of as fast as it can. When I press it to the right, it takes the note duration and it subtracts 10 from it. And this is kind of cool. I was mentioning my constraints on this. So we don't want to get to where it's a negative number or some number that's ridiculously high and we're waiting 10 minutes per note. Uh, so this note duration, after I subtract uh, the joystick 10 from it or add the joystick 10 to it, uh, I then go and um, evaluate that variable again and say, whatever that number is, constrain it. So I'm going to constrain the note duration to a minimum of 10 and a maximum of 1,000. That would be one second long, which is pretty long. Uh, so you could adjust this in code. It's probably not something you necessarily need to adjust with the interface. If you really had to, then you could make that be some button combo joystick thing to uh, do or maybe change it during startup. Easier in, in code, I think, though. Uh, and then the down uh, and up joystick, what those do when they are read, they set the octave multiplier to be either divided by two or multiplied by two. And same thing, I have this constraint so that it can only ever be 1 uh, or 128. And these are uh, multiplied by 2 each time. So that 128 re represents like 5 octaves. Um, same thing going up with the multiplier. So that's the code as it is uh, right now. And uh, let me know if you have thoughts and comments in, in, the, uh, in the chat. Uh, if you don't, let's see, why don't I give uh, one last little demo of this thing in action, and then uh, I think we'll be ready to sign off. So 
Let me jump back over to the bench cam and let me grab a, there we, no, not that one. There's the one. I'll turn this back up and I have to turn on my little effects box there, which powered down. Did that run out of battery? No. Bear with me one second. That's how it works. Um, pretty fun. I uh, hope you like it. Uh, like I mentioned, the one other thing that I uh, haven't added onto the board yet here, you can see I'm using this uh, quadrupler, feather quadrupler, uh, is the MIDI feather wing, which we'll just plonk on there. I may rearrange the order of these. Um, and then I'll, I'll probably try to build this so that this faces the back of the case so that you can plug into these. And then I'll use some panel mounts for the uh, USB and the stereo out. Uh, so that's it. That's the Piano K DIY. Um, probably what I'll do uh, next week is some design work for this. So I've started some design. I'll show you uh, probably inside of Rhino. I'm going to build out a case for it that you can create. Uh, the, the original, you can see it's gorgeous. I'm not going to be able to touch, uh, touch that. Show that right there. Uh, that's a really nice looking sheet metal enclosure. Uh, bent, bent metal with some sides on it there. I won't be able to do that. I also love that angle. Uh, I will probably have to just do that with um, some acrylic, possibly bent. Um, do some acrylic bending, so laser cut holes in it and then uh, heat bend it. We'll see. Uh, or ABS, possibly. We'll see. Uh, C. Grover says, like in the 2020 keyboard frame. Yes, uh, it's, it's pretty good for, for a... A method of, I couldn't think of much I had other than boring holes in something. I'll hold all those while I'm working on it. Uh, I don't have any vice that big. Maybe some of those giant vice grip clamp things would work. Uh, all right, so thanks so much everyone for stopping by here for our first workshop show of 2022. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it and I will look forward to seeing you over in Discord. Uh, thanks and see you next time. Bye-bye.